0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Veterinary Journal Club. I am so very excited to welcome to our show Dr. Marie Hollowaychek, who is coming on, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about wellness. But I'll, first, a little bit of background. Marie and I have known each other um, for quite some time, actually. I don't know if I want to do the math, but uh, <laughs> um, um, but we were like a little more than ships passing in the night, I would say. Um, But Marie was the first emergency critical care resident at um, NC State University, she paved the way and like had them fix a lot of things so that we people like me came on a few years later. Um, the program was amazing. And um, so, yeah, um, so we've known each other since, I guess that would have been 2008 um, when, I, when I first started. So you were just finishing your residency and I was just starting mine um, and yeah. So it's so good to see you. So good to have you on the show.
1: Thank you. It's so good to be here. Yeah.
0: So you have um, pivoted your career a little bit. And maybe we can start by you just sharing a little bit about, um, you know, your journey and how you you really got um, passionate about wellness in veterinary medicine. And then maybe we can get into like some of the nuts and bolts of, you know, where you want to go with that.
1: That sounds perfect. And Yeah, I guess I'll start from where you left off, which is where we met. You know, I was, yeah, in my third year, you were doing your first year. We were, you know, um, yeah, in our, both, both of us, it's hard to believe, you know, that long ago at NC State doing ECC residencies. And after that, I took on a faculty position at the Ontario Veterinary College. Uh, I was there for five years. I loved it. We have that in common as well, obviously, our time spent in academia, And, you know, it was, it was busy. It was intense. There was the research demands, Mm -hmm. the teaching of the students, the mentoring of the interns and residents. And I loved every minute of it, but Holy moly, did it take its toll on me? Mm. And, you know, I have the understanding and knowledge now to recognize at the time that I was burnt out and overworking myself and, um, in the moment, though, I I didn't know that that's what was happening. And yeah. I'll be honest, I just felt like, you know what, I'm not cut out for this job. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think I can do this long term. I, um, It's just feeling too overwhelming and, and too stressed. And it was taking a toll on my mental and my physical health. And so I made the really difficult decision to leave that job. And, you know, it was amazing. So many people were like, I can't believe you're leaving. You're close to tenure. And, you know, yeah. you're. you're good at what you do and how can you leave and I just I couldn't even put it into words I just yeah. really felt like it wasn't sustainable and in hindsight I wish I had known now um, you know I, I wish I had known then what I know now yeah. because I might not have made the same decision but alas fast forward um, I ended up moving out west um, closer to where I had grown up and mm-hmm. Um, just basically started doing work on my own. So I traveled as a locum critical care specialist. I did a lot of speaking engagements and I very quickly, um, you know, learned that, you know what, just changing your geographical location and your job is not going to fix these issues of overworking and overwhelm and burnout, et cetera. So I found myself, you know, spiraling into the same pattern and just really um, it was my mental health, especially that was really um, struggling. And so I um, ended up, you know, starting to do a little bit of work on myself, my Mm -hmm. doctor recommended, you know, mindfulness to help manage my anxiety and my depression. And things like kind of ticked away with a little bit of improvement. But I'll be honest, it wasn't until I was in a car accident, Mm -hmm. I was in a bad car accident, my car was totaled, I had to do a lot of rehabilitation. And I ended up as part of my rehabilitation, gifting myself this yoga teacher training program. So mm-hmm. I did a eight week, you know, 200 hour yeah. yoga teacher training over a summer. And it was amazing. And it was super transformative. It gave me a lot of time to reflect and uh, gave me a lot more tools to implement. And I just, I had this like epiphany during the training, like, this has been so transformative for me and now I feel like I have all these new tools and it just really allowed me to immerse myself in self-development, self-awareness, you know, growth and all of that and I just felt super called to share that with other people in the profession because at that point, you know, that was six or seven years ago now, we knew that we were having issues in the profession with mental health and suicide and burnout and so on and, you know, I thought, if I can translate these tips and tools into practical, you know, accessible strategies for my peers, then maybe we can make some changes. And so I started offering um, retreats for veterinary Mm -hmm. professionals, um, which were great. And then it just transformed. I started speaking more about wellness at conferences. Um, Most recently I've started offering online programs, which worked out really well with the pandemic. So you started that Um, before the
0: pandemic. I did, because (laughs) I ended up,
1: I had a baby um, in June, and so it just, I knew I was going to have a baby, and I had a baby as a single parent, and so um, I thought, gosh, I'm not going to be able to travel all over the place doing lectures, toting around this baby with me, and so I I moved online, and then it just sort of morphed from there, so um, that brings me to where I am today, so...
0: Uh, well, that. Thank you for sharing that. First of all, sorry, I was having some trouble with my microphone. I wanted to make sure you guys you can still hear me. Okay, right? Yeah, absolutely. Topher, Topher's in the background producing. Um, so, okay, sorry. Um, I, that it, it's first off just really, really helpful for you to share that story. And there's a few things that I think are really powerful. Is one, and I and I've kind of seen other people do this, and I've told students this before. That one of the things I love about veterinary medicine is like. There are so many things you can do with this profession that if the job that you currently have isn't the right fit, that doesn't mean you have to leave the profession to find something that works for you and that you're passionate about. Um, and I know so many people that have have done that and they've said, "I still love veterinary medicine. I'm still passionate about veterinary medicine, but this job isn't. I, I'm just not getting the fulfillment, or again, it's not good for my well being for whatever reason." And so invent your own job, you know? And I, so I love that you did that. Um, and, and I also, I love that you shared that just changing geography doesn't, doesn't fix it. Right. Like um, I mean, sometimes that might make a difference for some people that might be like, okay, I just needed a change of scenery, but more often than not, there's something else. There's some underlying issue that you have to resolve that. Um, and it's also interesting when you were talking at the beginning about like you look back on that time when you were struggling, but you're like, but I loved it. Like there were, there were parts that, it. so it's not like I hate my job. It's not that this is terrible or there's a problem with my job. You're like, it there, I have a problem and I need to kind of figure out what the issue is because you don't talk about it. Like it was miserable and I hated it. You're like, no, I, I actually loved it, but it's still, there were, there were parts of it that I either weren't acknowledging at the time or, um, you know, so so maybe that's where we, we kind of talk about is is I, I think a lot of people, myself included, would sort of assume that if you're not in a healthy position, then you're going to be unhappy with your, you know what I mean? Like if you think the job is a bad thing that, oh, I'm going to hate this and you're going to be like, I I, you know hate everything about work and I'm not getting any fulfillment. And it sounds like that wasn't at all true for you. Um, There were still a lot of things that, you know, you're like, I'm still passionate about this. I still enjoy this, that, and the other thing, but collectively it wasn't healthy. So maybe you can share a little bit more about, you know, what you've learned since then and, you know, how somebody could maybe either recognize some of those same issues um, and, maybe some less dramatic things like you don't have to invent a new job maybe there's other things that you can do um to create a more healthy environment in the current job if you if you do like it does that make sense
1: it makes perfect sense and and thank you for summarizing it so beautifully and it's it's so true you know it was i i loved i mean i won't say everything sure. because no yeah, job nobody perfect, is perfect yeah. but- I loved most things of that job, that job, it felt like it was created for me. Um, But on a personal level, there was just so much struggle. And at the time, I just couldn't identify it. I think I didn't recognize really the depth of my mental illness. And what you know, the, the I mean, I have lived with anxiety and depression for most of my adult life, it kind of really, you know, there were pockets of it that I look back now and and recognize during my residency. But again, I didn't, I didn't have that awareness that I have now. So I wasn't being treated for it. I wasn't, um, you know, managing it as well as I could have. And we don't learn those skills really during our training. So I, I didn't have that emotional intelligence and that awareness that I do have now to really be able to take a step back and say, okay, I love my job. This is, you know, aligns with the values and, and goals that I have for myself professionally, but something isn't right. And right. so I need to look at this more from a personal level. I just really felt like, ugh, this isn't sitting right for me. I'm not yeah. meant to be here. Like, yeah. something's wrong. Dah, 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 dah. So, you know, I always say, um, you know, in my coaching programs or in my conversations with individuals in the profession, like the first step whenever we're, you know, feeling discomfort and feeling unease in the work that we're doing is to have a little bit of awareness around what's really happening. And so, you know, I think, um, having the terminology to understand what it is truly that we are um, working with and living with in our profession is important. So there are situations that, um, we're going unrecognized as being difficult mm-hmm. situations that I wasn't coping with well psychologically. So moral stress is one yeah. big example. So moral stress is something that we face on a regular basis yes. in the work that we do. These are situations where we're doing something that we don't think that we should be doing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm euthanizing an animal that I know that we could be helping or the opposite, exactly. which I deal with sometimes is I'm <laughs> providing, excuse me, care that is futile yep. um, for this patient that I think probably would be or could be better served by euthanasia, but the family just isn't there yet. Right? You know, so we have these situations of distress and I Mm -hmm. don't think we talk about them. So we come home and we're just like, oh, it was another awful day and this job sucks. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe I chose this profession. But Mm -hmm. if we could just take a step back and recognize, you know what, I had a tough day and it's because I had this really morally distressing situation. The social workers always say, you know, we name to tame those emotions. So just naming those situations. And then um, it really helps to bring the emotions down.
0: Well, I think it's sort of acknowledging that, you know, this, this is a real thing and it's okay to feel bad about that. Like that's a um, normal, in, in a lot of ways, healthy response, right? Like you should feel bad when you're in those situations. If you don't, if you're, if you're not responding, that Is more of a problem. But I feel like sometimes we, yeah, we don't really want to embrace the fact that like, this sucks. Like this situation is terrible. And it is appropriate for me to feel bad. Not, not forever. I mean, you know, (laughs) you know, I need to be able to recognize if I'm in a funk and I'm not getting out of it, but that, is an appropriate response to a distressing situation. And if we don't acknowledge that and sort of allow ourselves to feel that, that's also problematic. Um, So I like, I've never heard that before, name and tame. Um, I I like that. That's that's really, it makes, it makes sense. Yeah, like just acknowledging it and validating like those feelings are appropriate makes a lot of sense.
1: Even just acknowledging, I'm really angry right now, Mm -hmm. or I'm feeling frustrated, like it's amazing. And we see it in clients. And I know that you've had several sessions, um, podcasts on communication. When you have a client that's in front of you that is super angry, sometimes just saying, I can see that you're angry right now, or you have every right to be angry. Hearing them, them hearing you recognize what their emotion is often brings their emotion down because as you said, there's that feeling of
0: validation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just empathizing know, the other- with
0: them, but empathizing with yourself too. Like maybe we don't do enough of that, right? I don't know if yeah. there's a term for that. Self empathy is that a thing?
1: Yeah, self empathy, <laughs> self kindness, self compassion. Yeah. Nice. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I think the other the other pieces of it as well. Um, you know, I was really, unbeknownst to me, really struggling with burnout, and so. Um, you know, I, because of, again, things that I know now. So I now recognize that I, um, at the time was struggling with a lot of perfectionistic tendencies Mm -hmm. that were really creating a state of overwhelm and psychological distress. They were exacerbating my depression. So when things wouldn't go the way I wanted them to with the case in the ICU, or if there was, you know, it was just like the whole world fell apart and I wasn't coping well with it, there was unrealistic expectations that I was putting on myself. um, And that, that, those underlying, you know, thoughts and Mm -hmm. cognitive distortions really fed into workaholism. Mm -hmm. So I really felt, you know, that I was on this hamster wheel of working all the time. And when I was on call, especially I was like, well, I'm on call, I'm already like, not able to do anything else. So I'm just going to camp out in my office and work all weekend Mm -hmm. rather than engaging in self-care and doing other things that are what we really need to do when we're working hard. So there was the burnout that went unrecognized and was really exacerbated. And then there was also um, periods of time where I was experiencing compassion fatigue and Compassion fatigue, you know, I think it's important for everybody to really recognize the difference between burnout and compassion fatigue because a lot of the times we use the terms interchangeably and they're not the same thing. Um, Compassion fatigue is really what we experience as caregivers from caring so much for our patients but not giving back to ourselves um, in the form of self-care and having these situations of moral stress or experiencing moral distress and not recognizing it and managing it and seeking help when we need help. So there were probably situations of moral distress where I really could have benefited from talking to somebody and Mm -hmm. I didn't. Um, there were definite, there was definitely a shortage of self-care in my life. I mean, I would go to the gym and I would do things, but it was just, it was in that same state of overworking. It was like, I'm going to run and I'm going to do this, but there was not awareness around it. There was not reflection and and it wasn't holistic. You know, Mm -hmm. we know now with self-care that it's not just about exercising and eating, right? There's many facets to our self-care and our wellness. So again, it's just, I think having the awareness, having the terminology, knowing what it is that I needed. Um, I think I could have given that to myself in that moment and potentially stayed in that job um, much longer. But, you know, hindsight's twenty yeah. twenty. And honestly, if I hadn't left I was and gone down say, this road, I wouldn't, wouldn't be here. having this conversation yeah. with you right now. Yeah. So.
0: Well, so, I mean, it's just really powerful. you Powerful for you to share that. Um, I mean, there's a vulnerability to that saying, like I was having these problems. I missed this. I didn't understand that I was having these issues. And so, I think just sharing that is so powerful. And you know, for anyone out there who is hearing this and is like, "Hey, okay," that some of that sounds familiar, um, or just being aware of that thing that you know could be happening, or maybe a, a loved one who is is showing you know some signs of you know like that you said that moral distress, but. You've learned a lot in the past, you know, many years as you've if you've investigated for yourself and then shared this with others. So I would love to spend some time um, talking about. You know what what are you talking about when you mean self-care? Like what does that really mean when you say approaching it holistically and that it's not just exercising. It's got there's got to be a mindfulness to it. There's got to be intention to it. So maybe share some some tips and tricks you have uh, particularly for, you know, vet students who don't have a lot of control over yeah. their schedules and their lives. Like there's a lot of demands put on them. And cause that's the, the, yeah. the everybody who's listening, I think can probably hear from this, but a lot of our, our listeners are vet students. So what, what yes. have you learned that you want to share with folks?
1: I love that. Well, absolutely. You know, for the students who are listening, this is the time to start mm-hmm. is now. So, you know, don't put off self-care until you have a job because man, does it get even more stressful <laughs> yeah. when you're out in the workforce. I know life seems all encompassing right now, but it's going to get real pretty soon. I <laughs> so yep. you want to have the habit already in place or at least the understanding. And I think, you know, what I would start with when I talk about self-care um, is really recognizing what it is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. So, Self care is definitely intentional. It, it is something that is typically planned and it is something that benefits our health and well being in some way. So, very often, you know, self care is kind of a, a, a like a in vogue phrase right yeah. now. Like it's trendy, right? Everybody's talking about self care. I yeah. went to Starbucks, I got a latte, I had my nails done, it was my self care. Um, that all sounds fine and good, but it's not technically self-care. Yeah. A lot of what we regard or what we call self-care is actually more of a coping strategy because mm. it's react. It's something we do as a reaction to something. So, oh, I had a really long day or I just got through a bunch of exams and now I'm just going to veg out and yeah. watch Netflix and have a glass of wine yeah. and that's going to be my self-care. Well, watching Netflix, binge-watching Netflix and having a glass of wine – Um, while comforting in the short term is not going to serve your health in the long term. So again, I go back to the fact that self care is intentional, and it is health promoting. And when I talk about it being holistic, there's actually eight dimensions of wellness that we would hope to promote um, in order to boost our well being over time. So physical is just one of them. So that's the eating healthy, the getting enough sleep, the exercising every day, and so on. Then we've got our emotional self care. So that those are things like seeing a counselor, emotional regulation, you know, self awareness. Um, how do we uh, communicate in relationships and that kind of thing? Spiritual self care is another one. And so spiritual, uh, you know, it sounds religious and 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 that sort of thing, but that can be, be taking a hike in the mountains, mm-hmm. getting out in nature, journaling. Um, it can be going to church for some people, but again, it doesn't have to be. It could be meditation. Um, as well. Um, then we have social self care, arguably one of the most important aspects of our wellness right now, which yeah. is deep, meaningful connection with people. So um, not just these, you know, yeah. scrolling through Facebook, right. types of superficial
0: connection. interactions. Yeah,
1: exactly. We want to make sure that we're connecting ideally face to face or with screens, um, getting into deep conversation. And, and really what that does is that cultivates not only a sense of belonging, but also a sense of if things get rough, I know I have people that I can lean on. Um, so that social connection, that sense of belonging is super important as well financial wellness is another mm-hmm. component. Yeah, that's an important sure, one.
0: Yeah. You know, all the, again, all the yeah. students
1: listening, you're going to yep. have some debt, you want to have yep. a plan for how you're going to address yep. that when you get out. So talk to a yep. financial planner sooner than later, um, budget, you know, yep. plan for emergencies, etc. Um, environmental wellness is another one. So this is um, quite honestly, this is a lot of what is also in style right now from the Marie Kondo minimalist yeah. perspective. It's yeah. Being aware of how your environment impacts your health and well-being. So research would suggest that lots of clutter and lots of material belongings is actually um, can create a lot of distress for some people. And so, again, maybe you spend time decluttering, giving things away, tidying up your space. Um, if that brings you you know, a sense of mental health and well-being. And then as well, there is intellectual well-being. And so that is um, basically, you know, that we're all lifelong learners. We're listening to podcasts. We're watching documentaries. We're reading. Well, I don't know if anybody really reads the newspaper anymore, but you're engaging in news feeds or you're taking online courses. You know, you're doing things constantly that are going to help your learning. Um, And now I think I counted. What was that? Seven. I think it was
0: seven. seven. I don't know. Okay,
1: Okay. I think it was. And I was counting them on my fingers. Oh, shoot. All right, we
0: had physical, mental, emotional, Mm -hmm. spiritual, environmental. That's five. Uh, We just did we say oh, social occupational, occupational we didn't time. say Thank okay <laughs>
1: yeah so occupational or work-related thanks yeah. bobby for <laughs> helping me there so work-related is really important and for yeah. students this would be like study life work-related mm-hmm. exams mm-hmm. so this is setting yourself up for success you know do you have boundaries around how long you're studying or yeah. um you know for us in a workplace how long we're working mm-hmm. you know not bleeding over or or you know having the work move into home mm-hmm. life so yeah where students you know I'd encourage you
0: not to study in bed um you know that's a huge one for me yeah having a physical separation between where I do the not that I never do work at home or I have but I have a space at home where I have things that I do and I have a space where it's like I I don't do work out here. So that's yeah, perfect. like, and I, I, for me, I need that. Like just again, it's a mental, you know, switch that I'm like, I'm at home now and yeah, I'm on call. And so my phone goes off and things like that. And that's okay. But when I get home, I'm like, no, I'm at home now. And it's, it's okay. I don't have to feel guilty that I'm not at the hospital 24 seven and they'll call me if they need me kind of thing. But I, for me, that physical separation is really important.
1: Yeah. Well, and research would suggest it's important for all healthcare providers that 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 physical, they don't call, you know, a lot of us say work-life balance, but it's actually work-life separation. There needs to be some time carved out that you aren't thinking about work. And that's actually a huge contributor to compassion fatigue is when we don't have that separation. So we go home and we're thinking about cases and we're ruminating on things. Um, That's actually a big sign of compassion fatigue is if you're experiencing a lot of distress at home and it's like, even when you're not at work, you're 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 really thinking about the cases Mm -hmm. that can be a sign that, you are experiencing compassion fatigue and it's, it's a indication that you might need to talk to someone. Yeah.
0: And not that you can't go home and think about that case from today and like, um, Oh man, maybe it's like, that was really cool. i you know, that really things went well or man, that didn't go as well as we we wanted to. And so you kind of do that, like, you know, mental debrief to try to, you know, that's reasonable, right? But it's when you can't stop thinking about work yeah, um, or you never take that ball. mental break. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think about, I mean, I can remember back when I was in vet school, internship residency, like you'd go out with people from work and what did you talk about? Work. <laughs> and, and so, you know, there's, there's, you have to be a little careful with that. I think there is a little bit of, I think, therapy, you know, a therapeutic kind of release of commiserating and talking about it. But um, one thing I started doing... Yeah, it's, it's setting a timer is like, all right, we have 15 minutes. We're going to talk about work for 15 minutes. And when that timer goes off, no more work talk, you know, or things like that. Where, Because again, that, that commiseration with other people who are going through it, I think is really, really helpful at times. Um, but other times I'm like, I don't want to talk about work. Um, it's really nice to have partners who aren't in the profession to be there to remind you like, hey guys, you've been talking about work for the past three days straight. Maybe it's time to take a break. But yes. um, it is, re- for me, I think that's a hugely important thing um it's too easy for us to allow work to bleed over into our personal life, and again, sometimes that happens you're on call there's cases like i I think you can still have that separation um without creating you know strict barriers um, but like you said, it's just that mental being able to say i'm going to allow myself to not think about work and and that's okay mm-hmm. um and The other thing that you said at the beginning of this that I think is also really important is the intentionality. And I think that is maybe you can correct, you know, if I'm wrong here, but having it planned out is probably more important than how much time you spend doing it, right? Like if you can carve out 10 minutes a day for whatever activity is that's important for your wellness and your self-care, that's probably more important than saying, oh, I had, you know, six hours when, you know, I was like, oh, well, I have nothing else to do. I guess I'll plan this. Like, no, I've got time in my schedule, it's in my calendar. And maybe it's not, I'm going to take a bath. Like maybe that, you know, I don't know. I'm going to read a book and take a bath. That That's that's something I would enjoy. <laughs> like I'm yeah. going to have my well, me time, but yeah.
1: I mean, here's the thing. So everybody's self-care is going to look right. a little bit different because you know, that taking a bath and reading a book, that's really a comfort thing for you. Yeah. And so that's going to fuel your emotional self-care. That's yeah. something that you're doing out of self-kindness, self-compassion yep. to refuel, you know, your heart space kind of thing. For somebody else, they might think, meh, that's not, I I don't really want to do that. I would rather, um, you know, uh, read a book on, um, uh, oh my goodness, I'm brain farting here, some sort of self- uh, help. Yeah, <laughs> Why yeah. am I having such a hard time with this? <laughs> a book on self-help where, yeah. you know, they're reading something and they're, you know, integrating some strategies that way. So it's going to be different for everybody. But what isn't different is the intention behind yeah. it. And again, um, I love what you said about keeping it short. And I tell students this all the time, you know, and thanks to COVID, gone are the days of going to the gym for like a two-hour right. sweat session. But guess what? Research suggests that 10 minutes of high-intensity exercise yeah. is as effective is an hour of like basic aerobic exercise. Yeah. So you could do a 10 minute hit class yeah. and get the same benefit with mm-hmm. the time saving. You don't need to meditate for an hour in the day, you right. can meditate for five minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe you don't need three hours of extra sleep every day, but right. could you add one half an hour of extra sleep onto yeah. your day, especially if you know that you're going into a stretch of exams. So yeah. the point is, is that students are not pushing and pushing and pushing until the exams are done. And then they just like collapse into a puddle. You know, afterwards, they're recognizing, you know what, I've got a really big stretch of exams Mm -hmm. coming up, I am going to make sure to plan my self care in because I know it's going to be important so that I can stay focused with studying. It doesn't have to be big. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to make sure I'm hitting as many of these wellness
0: dimensions as I can. That's, that's really, I think, really important because you're not going to catch up on self care you're not going to be like, okay, I'm going to set this aside for the next week. I'm just going to power through, which I think is how a lot of people do things. Like I'm just going to power through this week. And then when this week is done, that's the coping you were talking about before. Like then I will recover. And it's like, no, but like 10 minutes, like really 10 minutes, you can't carve out from studying today, but carve it out, plan it out, schedule it out. And I think there's apps out there. There were some students tell me about an app um, because she was having some problems with studying. um, And like, it it would like set a timer for a certain amount of time like and it would actually log her out of things like Facebook and Instagram like not yeah. it would block her out of it so that she didn't get distracted by those things but it also yeah. carved out break time like you can't yeah. study for 4 hours straight and then be frustrated yeah. with yourself when you forgot half of it because you're just not set up for that so totally. we're also built to need those little breaks but it doesn't need to be for hours and hours so it's it's it is very i think in most cases doable but just plan it and I also think it's nice if you've scheduled that time. Mm-hmm. I think just mentally, it's easier to be like, no, that's, I have plans. I have 10 minute plans to do these things and, and it's important. And so I'm going to do it. Um, so I, I, I love that. I want to come back a little bit to um, the social aspect um, and kind of those deep connections, because I, I I would just like to explore this a little more because I I can imagine, you know, thinking, okay, social, I just need to do some self-care and go hang out with a group of people and whatnot. Now, what, um, you know, kind of re-energizes each of us when it comes to social activity is going to be very, very different. Um, I'm, I'm an introvert and which surprises people, but I am, I get my energy from quiet time, small groups, um, a few people, um, or by myself, my husband sitting in a chair next to me, we're both silently reading (laughs) like that's I love that. Um, where, you know, being around people all day, I, I feel drained. Um, but again, it, I can be an introvert and still need that social connection. Um, but it also, I imagine each of us probably only have a handful of people. I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but a hand that you can really have that type of connection with that could be really that re- Maybe I'm wrong. Um, maybe that's because I'm an introvert and I'm thinking there's no way you can have dozens of people that you would have this connection with. But yeah. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts on that? Let's explore yeah. this a little more.
1: I love that. And I love that you shared that you're an introvert because I think it really is important for people listening to recognize um, what introversion really is because people have the misconception that it means you're shy Shy. or you're antisocial or you don't. No one has
0: ever accused me of being shy. You
1: are not shy. (laughs) I'm not a shy person. (laughs) No, no. And as a fellow introvert, so if people are interested in in understanding more about introversion versus extroversion, Quiet by Susan Cain is Mm. one of the best books that I've ever read. It is just a fascinating, deep dive into what it actually means to be introverted, um, how it can benefit us, but how it can also um, add a little bit more struggle into our lives for those of us who are really strong introverts. Some of us kind of sit, you know, in the middle in terms of the Myers-Briggs assessment on introversion or not just Myers-Briggs,
0: but
1: but all of the the scales. Um, But really our introversion and extroversion, it's how we, as you alluded to, how we feel energized. And so for an introvert, it's not about avoiding social connection. It's that you still want the connection, but you want deep connection. You want deep, meaningful connection with a small group of individuals. Versus an extrovert is going to feel more energized by being around a lot of people. So it's going to be connecting with a lot of different people. Um, They might be superficial um, discussions, but it's just that being around people, feeling busy, feeling, you know, um, just that sense of seeing a lot of people is going to be beneficial for them. The research around social connection and its ties to well-being is really more so linked to that sense of belonging Mm -hmm. or that sense of, I know people who've got my back. Gotcha. So it's kind of um, different a little bit from the introversion, extroversion and whether or not you refuel in small groups or alone versus large groups. So this is this is really where social media has caused um, a lot of um, distress amongst individuals. And it's very controversial, the research around, you know, how much social media is enough and, or I should say is too much. Yeah. Um, and when, it, when does it become harmful for our mental health? I think the research is pretty clear that, that more social media is not necessarily better, but what's even more clear is it's the way that we're engaging with yeah. people. So really when you get onto social media, and you have an intention behind it. You know, I'm going to message somebody. I'm going to look for this person who I want to follow. I'm going to find some posts and I'm going to comment on them or I'm going to share a post that's really important to me. That's called active engagement. And that is very helpful because again, it's cultivating a sense of belonging. I'm finding my people. I'm finding events that resonate with me. I'm commenting on things that are important to me. It's engaging. And it, once again, it fosters that sense of belonging longing and and that's really what we're looking for if you get on social media and you're scrolling through your instagram feed mm-hmm. or facebook liking hearting whatever it is and not having that sense of connection it actually goes works in the opposite direction you feel more and more disconnected because your subconscious in a, is in a state of comparison where you're mm-hmm. just looking you don't even realize it but you're like compare 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 and then you know your confidence goes down mm-hmm. you feel worse about yourself you feel more disconnected because to you and your subconscious brain, all of these people have these amazing lives. And here I am sitting in my house yeah. alone, studying for this exam and just feeling really crummy. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, I just said a whole bunch of things. No, I think that, I think that, that makes
0: sense. Well, and I like the idea that it's not like social media is bad. Like it is just a tool that we can use for lots of different things. And if you use it to create meaningful connections or to find a community um, and and, and in a way, that's a really great thing, right? It widens our net of people that we can connect with, um, you know, that we might not otherwise interact. We'd have no way of ever running into this person because they're on the other side of the world or or whatnot. So, um, but I think that's important because I mean, I've definitely caught myself just like scrolling, scrolling. Scrolling, scrolling and that's, you know, um, I tend to stop on the, the food things. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what are they cooking on this one? Um, uh, Topher and I actually, we share an Instagram account. And so it's so funny, the things like between the two of us that we follow. So I have a lot of comics that I follow, like comic strips and comedians. And he's got a bunch of weightlifting people. We have such a weird mix awesome. of things on our thing. So I actually, Super yeah, it's, yeah, it's all over the place. But, um, but I definitely will find myself sometimes just like scrolling. I'm like, what if, how much time has just passed? Like that's, that's not necessarily very good. So for me personally, how I interact with people, Instagram and Facebook and things like that are not necessarily going to be the way that I am likely to, to find those types of connections. Um, I know that myself. Like I said, you, you mentioned earlier, like the face to face interactions and spending time. My idea, like, oh, a couple of friends come over and we just play cards for the evening. That oh, like, sounds lovely. Um, like Topher and I just doing a puzzle, um, yeah. you know, like, you know, thing, things like, like I said, us being just together, you know, not necessarily even interacting, but just being near each other and doing our own thing. We, we go, we like to go outside and walk, like you said, getting in nature is really important as well. So, um, and obviously there's overlap between all of these different, um, you know, kind of categories, I guess, of wellness too. So, um, is there, is there any, you know, evidence or in, you know, any understanding about how to prioritize these or like if somebody was just like I'm struggling with this I want to start doing better with wellness I want to take some baby steps though (laughs) like this you know eight things sounds overwhelming to me um I we we struggle just to come remember that but is there like can somebody just say okay this one resonates really well with me I'm gonna start with this and then when I feel like I've got that that's now part of my routine I'm gonna move on to another one does that make sense?
1: It's totally makes sense. And it's and it's a it's a perfect, um, you know, recommendation. And and I do think that people need to start small What the wellness experts would say is that you want to make sure that your foundational habits are well looked after before you reach for things like I'm going to meditate or Mm -hmm. I'm going to do self, you know, um, an emotional intelligence program or whatever. It's like, okay, let's get the foundation. Tell me what you mean by those
0: foundational elements.
1: Yeah. So the foundational um, habits or things that you want to make sure that you look after first, especially for the students who are listening, is the sleep. So the recommendation is seven to nine hours per day for adults. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be all in a row. So if you come home from class and you're the type of person where you like to have a nap, that counts as your daily total. So that's okay.
0: That's good to know. Um,
1: Yeah. So sleep is a big one. And I'll say again with sleep, or I'll say also with sleep, is that if you find that you are struggling with sleep, screens may have a lot to do with it. So that's one of the biggest contributors to insomnia nowadays. So make sure I mentioned it before that you're not studying in bed. If you are on your screens because you're studying late at night, just have a filter or use blue light blocking glasses or a filter on your um, device so that it's not suppressing your melatonin secretion. And then if you can, try to at least have like half an hour of no screens before you go to bed where you do the same routine every single night, get ready for bed, maybe do a meditation, maybe read a book, um, tidy up your, you know, room or whatever it is, yeah. and then get into bed. If you can train your yourself to do the same thing every night, it's yeah. going to really do yourself. Get all sleep. your stuff
0: ready for the next day. Lay out your clothes for the next day. Totally. Pack, yeah. yeah Have your lunch Makes ready. Yeah. Everything
1: else. Cool. Look at your calendar so that you're not like, wow, when you get up in the morning, <laughs> yeah. you don't know what, what's coming for the day. So sleep, number one, important. The second one is going to be healthy eating. Mm-hmm. And so um, I know I'm not going to like harp on it. Like yeah. I, I think all of us know what it is to eat healthy, but what are some strategies? especially for students where you might be able to cultivate that Mm -hmm. meal prep meal planning is a really Mm -hmm. big thing a lot of people meal share so i know Mm -hmm. students who they'll each cook a big meal and then they'll swap meals for the week so you don't get bored yeah you're not like eating you know the lasagna for the whole week you might have a little bit of other stuff that's genius Um, i'm a big fan of you know get all your fruits and vegetables and then cut them all up and have them ready so easy yes it's really important to make it convenient Um, so that's really, really important. You want to watch as well, the amount of caffeine that you're taking in so that it's not too much, that's going to impact your sleep. Um, and also for alcohol, you know, if you are drinking, just make sure that you're, you know, having a drink at the end of the day earlier, not close to bedtime, but earlier so that it's out of your system and not impacting your sleep as well. And of course, everything in moderation, right? So, um, watching that too, um, and the, uh, another one of the four foundational habits obviously is activity, yeah. exercise, um, I, I don't like to call it exercise because I know some people are like, oh, I hate exercise. <laughs> yeah. Really just think of it as activity. Yeah. So you want to yes. move your body in some way yeah. for at least 30 minutes that gets your heart pounding, right? Or if not for 30 minutes, 10 minutes of really high intensity, yeah. which is fine too. Yeah. Um, but as you said, like with Topher, going for a walk, yeah, um, doing some stretching, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's honestly, people always ask me, you know, what's the best kind of exercise? What should I be doing? Doing. and I say
0: the one
1: that you do kind- <laughs> yes it's the kind of exercise you actually do Exit, so whether- yeah. you
0: know yeah, whether you walk the dog, whether you go yeah. for a run, whether you do like yeah. 50 squats, right. I don't care. Thinking do about like doing a marathon is not nearly as good as walking around the block. Like it's just exactly yeah. If you're not going to do it and do. it's not sustainable, then great, that's for somebody else. But yeah, yeah, be honest with yourself. Yeah,
1: and something that you do every day is much more important than something that you do every once in a while. Yeah. So don't feel like you know you need to do some epic two-hour workout on the weekend yeah. and then not work out the rest right. of the week. You want to be doing a little bit every. Every day. Yeah. So that's another foundational habit. Not only does it help with, um, you know, weight regulation, but even more so the benefits are for your mental health and yeah. for your sleep. So yeah, sleep is a big activity one, I activity yeah. every day, again, fosters sleep.
0: Yeah. And then the
1: fourth piece is what I mentioned before, that whole idea of a tidy workspace. Yeah. So, you know, if you're studying, just kind of like get, get yourself together with the studying. So if you've got piles of this, that and the other, that's you know, me. You wanna, I'm yeah, bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Honestly, Bobby, for some people, it's not, yeah. it, it's yeah. not an issue for them. But yeah. if you notice that if you're it a is, person yeah. like me, who gets really stressed when the environment is chaotic, and I'm not talking about like 50 cases in the ER, I yeah. mean, like stuff strewn about everywhere. It's like outer clutter often creates inner gotcha. stress for a lot of people. Gotcha. Um, so notice that and do something about it. So maybe yeah. you spend a few minutes every day just tidying up um, organizing, purging, you know, yeah. um, stuff that you don't use, whatever that might
0: be. I mean, I really, it's, there's some basic broad things that, you know, the, the details might be different for everybody, right? Like that's, you've got to figure out like, what is healthy eating for you? Cause some people, they, totally. you know, eat broccoli and they feel crummy after eating broccoli. Well, maybe broccoli's yeah. not working for you. That's fine. <laughs> Doesn't mean broccoli is not a healthy thing to eat for most people, but you got to listen to yourself, and so everybody's gonna. The details will be different, yes. but you know the big picture. There's some some clear, consistent takeaways that one, it's you, you've got to prioritize yourself, right? Like you have to just, you know, you're not good to anyone else if you know you're not taking care of yourself, and so it's not only okay, it's necessary for you to prioritize taking care of yourself, and and. So it's really just doing a little self-reflection, a self-evaluation and saying, okay, what, what are the things that are important for me? And, you know, where can I start? Where can I get started? What's, you know, what's that, that low hanging fruit? What's a thing that, um, you know what, I'm just going to start packing my lunch the night before, you know, like if that's all it is, okay, that's where we're going to start. Or, um, you know, like you said, I'm going to try to go to bed and get up at the same time each day. We're going to try it for like two weeks. Let's just two weeks. I can do this and, you know, see how you feel kind of stuff, but look around and, you know, just think what, what is one small thing I can do for myself? And yeah, I mean, just the, the scheduling time. I actually, everybody's got their device, get your smartphone out and like put in your calendar right now. 10 minutes um or you know maybe an hour we're going i'm gonna listen to the podcast i'm gonna listen to the veterinary <laughs> journal club podcast no um whatever it is for you guys like f- but carve it out put it in your like be intentional y- you yeah. don't even have to say what you're gonna do i don't think like just that can be your own personal secret this is gonna be my time you know this is your time for you anybody else is looking at that you don't have to explain or justify if somebody's like hey do you want oh nope i have plans oh what are you doing oh I, you know, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can tell them that's fine, whatever. But if you don't want to, that's fine too. Like I'm, I'm going for a walk with my dog. That is, those are my plans. It's in my calendar. It cannot be moved. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I do think when you put something in a calendar, there's, there's this, it, it, it's more important now. I've just assigned it this degree of importance. So I, that's one of the little things that I tell students all the time, like schedule it schedule it put it it in your calendar I don't know well
1: for a a lot of individuals accountability is a big part of of accomplishing something right yeah so there's you know, there's a couple of things there. First of all, you know, I love your idea of the low hanging fruit yeah. and doing something, you know, for a few weeks, they say that it takes depending on who you ask three weeks or six weeks to build a yeah. habit. So I usually tell people give yourself a month, like try yeah. something, do yeah. it as an experiment, see how you feel. Again, I love these like, you know, dry January and yeah. meditation March and all of this, yeah. like they're great. Do it. it an excuse me. I'm going to try this for, you know, the month of April and I'm going to see how it goes and then we'll go from there. Um, but yeah, the whole idea of scheduling is that it creates a sense of accountability. Once it's in the calendar, I've got to get it yeah. done. Um, or if you tell a friend, like maybe you say, you know what? Yeah. You you ask one of your classmates, hey, do you want to do this with me? And then yeah. somebody's counting on you. Yeah. You don't want to let them down. They're not yeah. going to want to let you down. And so, again, it's just another form of accountability. Yeah. And accountability is huge when sense. it comes to making changes
0: in our life. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Marie, this has just been so, so great. I think there's been a lot. There's a lot of stuff that we've covered here. Um, I I really, really appreciate you sharing some of your personal journey, getting to where you are, um, and then just initially kind of really just scratching the surface on some of this um, initial kind of wellness. You know, what are some things we should be thinking about? if you mentioned um you mentioned the book quiet and if there's other resources um i would love for you we'll put them in the description for the podcast today if there's other resources that you would suggest and um as well as some information about you know i don't know your your the wellness retreats are probably are they still on hiatus for now yeah. Yeah. Totally um, but yeah. you've got some online stuff. So we can put we can certainly put some resources for folks um, to to look into those. Um, and there's more to talk about. So I would love um, if you would come back and we would talk about some more of the stuff. Maybe we um, do a deeper dive or, you know, there's some some other topics that you'd, you'd want to share. I think that would be just be awesome. But Thank you so much for um, for chatting today. I think uh, again, it, it's it's such an important topic, and we're starting to dabble in it more and more. And I think we're doing a better job as a profession, really, as a society of of talking about these things and prioritizing them. Um, uh, but uh, thank you again for for all that you've been doing and and for coming and sharing your story with us.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Bobby. Thanks for having me. And yes, I would love to come back and chat more at some point. So I look forward to that.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, we're going to put some resources. Um, in the, what what do we call it? What's the thing? I don't know the description. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but that is, um, that's going to be it for today. Thank you guys so much again for joining us. And thank you again to Marie for coming and chatting with us. Um, it's been a great conversation and we will catch you guys next time.